All right, so you guys know how on Instagram you have stories, right? It's like that little ring at the top and you like watch. And if you ever knows nobody ever actually tells a story on their stories, I think that's weird. Anyway, there's general stories that like all of your followers can see, right? And then you can do this like little setting where you can make it to where only your close friends can see the story, right? Okay, so I'm gonna tell you guys a close, store, a close friend story tonight. I'm gonna let you kind of peek behind the curtain into my life, okay? So three and a half-ish years ago, I got married, and it was awesome. And yes, thank you, I'm still celebrating also. It's wonderful, we, we just had a baby, she's amazing, it's great. Um, anyway, back to my hilarious story. Um, Three years ago, we got married, and so it's my wedding day, and I'm doing what grooms do on the wedding day, which is nothing, and we're just hanging out in our groomsmen room, just chilling out, doing whatever we're doing. I don't really remember, and, and I don't remember what I did to do this, but what I do remember is at some point in the day, I ripped my pants, and not just like I ripped my pants in a place where we could just ignore it and it'd be fine. I ripped my pants like all the way down the front. Yeah, no, it was a problem. And so it's like 30 minutes before I'm about to get married, and I'm like, well, this is a great start to our marriage. I rip my pants, she's gonna yell at me, which if you know my wife, she doesn't yell, that's not a thing. Anyways, I just was nervous and scared. And so my good friend Jeff, who is one of my groomsmen, pulls me aside, he's like, hey man, don't worry, my wife Caitlin is a seamstress, I'll get her here, we'll get you all fixed up. And I was like, oh, yes. Caitlin to the rescue. She's, she's so awesome. She's going to fix everything. All of the weight falls off my shoulders and then immediately f comes back onto my shoulders because I realized in order for her to fix my pants, I have to, I have to give her my pants, which I don't have a good solution on how to do in a not awkward way. And so I was like, okay, this is what we're doing. So I just, in a room full of like five other men, I just I just took off my pants. And so I'm standing there like in just the top half of a suit and I'm like these, you know, like pirate flag-esque pants that have holes in them everywhere apparently. So she gets here, she knocks on the door and I'm doing like, you know when your mom like knocks on the bathroom door, she's like, I need my phone charger back and you do the weird like, you reach around the door so she doesn't see what's going on in there. The same thing happened. I'm just handing my pants around the door so she doesn't see my Spider-Man underwear and it was awkward and weird. And so then, I'm like freaking out. I'm like, we got 25 minutes. I'm getting married. I'm just pacing a room in my underwear like this. And so finally, I just get stressed out enough that I go and sit on the couch in the room. And I'm just, I'm freaking out. I'm like, what am I, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? Guys, what am I gonna do? And so my close friend, Pastor Joe, he's been with me through thick and thin, crazy seasons in life. He sees me over there. He's like, that's my boy. That's ride or die, right? That's my best friend. I can't let him struggle like this. I can't let him be alone. So he comes over to me on the couch, and I thought he was just going to sit down and tell a joke and make me feel better about the situation, but nay, nay. Pastor Joe took it one step farther. He came over, and like a best friend would, dropped his pants and sat down next to me, really close to me, by the way, like really close. And it was super weird, but that's what close friends do, right? Close friends have your back. And just like this was a close friend story, and I let you guys have access into my life, into a really weird and awkward part of my life, but it's true and it happened. I let you guys have a deeper knowing and understanding of me. And Jesus gives us the same access. You see, Jesus had close friends, and his close friends got to know him deeper than the people who just followed him. 
We have the same access and invitation to be friends with Jesus, and it comes through salvation, but it's solidified into a friendship through three things, and we're going to talk about those things tonight. They're called communication, devotion, and worship. And so we're going to use those three keys to learn how we can grow to be friends of Christ deeper and in a more personal level level and being a follower of Christ is like the first step in the friendship and so a lot of you here tonight came for the first time last week on our trick-or-treat bring your friend night which is awesome and I don't want you to feel like I'm making you feel bad or like what you did last week is weird or anything like that but all I'm saying is that's the first step that's the first step and there's so much more to a friendship with Christ and so we're going to look at that tonight And so it starts with our first point, which is communication. Hey, God, what's up? Hey, Angel, did you give the dinosaurs more muscle, like I asked? What? I told you to make them meteor. Make them a meteor. 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 Hey, God, what's up? Oh, hey, Angel. Did you make all the education systems the same, like I asked? What? Yeah, you were supposed to align learning. Online learning. Align learning. Online learning. Align learning. Oh, hey, God. What's up? Oh, hey, Angel. Is everybody ready for the show? I'm so excited. I heard Moses has been rehearsing for weeks. Uh, rehearsing for what show? The Ten Plays. The Ten Plagues. Plays. Plagues. Plays. As you can see, communication is vital. (laughs) right? If we don't communicate well, we end up with an awkward, like, I accidentally killed all the dinosaurs. Sorry about it. Or we end up unleashing a plague of frogs into Egypt, and I meant I want to see, like, Oklahoma again. Anyways, you, you grow close to someone through communicating with them, talking to them, getting to know them, getting to know their favorite things, understanding why they are the way they are, what they think is funny, what they're interested in. And the same is true of Jesus. The same is true of Jesus. We just call it something different, right? I keep saying communicating. We talk to our friends, but here at church, we call it prayer. Simply put, prayer is just talking to God. That's all it is, just talking to God. And Jesus invited his closest friends to follow him by communicating or talking to them and meeting them right where they're at. And we see that in Matthew 4, 18 through 22. It says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called to them to come too. They immediately followed him and leaving the boat and their father behind. And at first I read this and I was like, wait a minute, they're going to fish for people? Like they're going to, like they're going to hook some dude in the food court? That's just what I thought. That, it's not actually that, it's a metaphor. But anyways, Jesus called out to them specifically. He said, I will teach you how to fish for people because they were fishermen. It's what they understood. And just like if God were to come to you in your room while you're playing Warzone, he's like, hey, Follow me, and I'll show you how to get out of the gulag in one move. 
Or if he showed up to your volleyball game and he was like, hey, follow me and I'll show you how to score on every serve. Or he showed up in your math class and he was like, hey, follow me and I'll show you how to fill out the Scantron in a way that you get an A every single time. We'd all be like, I'm going with that guy, right? Because math is hard. Where are my math people at? I'd, I'd follow him. Anyways, Jesus called out to them specifically. The communication started specific to where you are at, but then it has an invitation to grow. It's that follow me and I'll show you. Follow me and I'll show you how to grow. And later we see that not only does Jesus want to talk to us where we're at, but he wants us to talk to him in a specific way. You see, you have to communicate to people in a way they understand. Like this one time I was flying home from Germany. And I was getting ready to get on the airplane. I was like, went up to the check-in counter and I like tried to hand the lady my bags. And what she actually asked me was, did you pack your bags yourself? And what I heard was anything but that. I had no idea what she said. I could not understand her at all. And so she asked me again, um, a ripper dax scabber. And I was like, what? She's like, a ripper dax scabber, what? And it just was like getting really heated between us and it just was gibberish. You could have offered me all the money in the world and a lifetime supply of Baja Blast to figure out what she was saying, and I'd have neither of those things because I had no clue what was going on. And finally, she gets really mad, and she just yells at me. And in broken English, I finally get, did you pack your bags yourself? And I was like, oh, yeah, totally. You should have said that the first time. Like, like I didn't understand how to communicate with her because I didn't speak German. She didn't understand how to communicate with me that well except through yelling at me, and I finally got it. But Jesus has a specific way for us to communicate with him. In Matthew 6, 9 through 13, it says, Pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us of our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So right here, Jesus is teaching us how to pray, not really what to pray. Because if he wanted us to say the same thing over and over and over, that exact prayer, it would, be get, it would get boring, right? Like, if you and your friends group said the same 25 words to each other over and over again, would you be really good friends? Or would you just be like close quarters chanters? Like, it wouldn't make any sense. Like, that's, that's not how you build a relationship or a friendship. You do it through talking and communication. And so we start praying like this, okay? He, we, we start by telling him how much we love him how much he means to us, how, how great he is, how, how awesome he is as a God. And then we move on to confessing our sins and, and apologizing for them and making things right with God. And next we say how thankful we are for him and, and all that he's done for us, all that he's given us, all that he's doing that, that we don't even see. And then we ask for what we want or what we need. See, it's okay to ask for things that you want, but we don't want to get stuck in this trap of asking God for things like he's a vending machine, right? We don't want to just continue to come to him whenever we need something. That's why he gives us this map of how to pray to him so we don't get caught in that. We grow in friendship with Jesus by communicating or praying. And prayer is an important part of growing our friendship with Jesus. And it fits into our next tool, our next point, which is devotion. Devotion is living your life in such a way that shows your loyalty and love for God. And much like prayer, Jesus mapped out a way for us to do this. In James 1.22, it says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. So that means we need to be a doer of what the Bible says, not just 
a reader, not just a hearer, right? So when we're up here preaching on a Wednesday night and we give you some like really good points and practical things on what to do in your life to grow in your friendship with God, we don't want it to just like hit you in your ear holes and then fall off and then you go on about your life never. It's like, we, we, we had 4640, I don't even remember, right? We have to do the things that are in the word of God. The Bible tells us we should be praying without ceasing. We should be studying the word, worshiping and giving. We should be loving our neighbors as we love ourselves and helping those in need. We should be disciplining ourselves or growing or making ourselves better for the purpose of godliness. 1 Timothy 4.8 says, Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So last winter, I decided to go back to the gym because I hadn't been there in a really long time. And I don't know if you can tell by looking at me, but I am in peak physical condition. That was a joke. You're allowed to laugh at that. (laughs) I know that I'm fluffy. It's okay. But anyway, the problem with going to the gym is that it's really hard and it's terrible. But the actual problem with the gym that I'm going to teach on is that when you go to the gym for a really long time, and then you stop going to the gym for a really long time, and then you start going again, where you ended the gym and where you started the gym, you are a different person. You are nowhere near what you used to be. And so I got it in my head that when I went back to the gym, I was like, I used to be able to lift this way. I can still lift this way. So I'm with Joe, and we're working out, and it is hard, okay? It's really heavy. 150 pounds was a lot heavier than I remember it being. And so we're going, and I'm getting really sore and tired, and I know 150 pounds probably isn't that much, but I'm just being vulnerable with you. Um, I'm getting really sore, and I'm getting really tired, and we get to the end of our workout. We're going to do this weird shoulder, like, lift thing. So I lay back on the bench, and I pick up the bar, and I put it here, and then I get here, and this shoulder goes, pow! And then it hurt really bad, like really bad. And so I sat right up, I put the bar down, and I was like, and then the pain went right away. And I was like, okay, cool, we're good. It felt weird, but the pain went away. It felt weird, but the pain went away. So we go to leave, I was like, I'm done, I don't want any of that smoke, I don't want to end up in a brace for like a month or whatever. And so we're walking out, and you guys have seen Joe, right? He's like, that much taller than me, and his legs are like as long as my whole body. And so when we walk together, he's like this, and I'm like this. And so I'm trying to keep up with him, and so I end up having to run. So usually when Joe and I are walking somewhere together, he's a few steps ahead of me. And so at this particular occasion, we're leaving the gym. I'm super tired. I'm not really paying attention. I just pushed myself too hard. Joe's like six steps ahead of me, and Joe gets the door. And so he does that thing where he like, where you like whip open the door with enough like space and you think the person close behind you can make the gap. You know what I'm talking about? And I did the thing where I was like, Joe's gonna hold the door for me. And what happened was neither of those things. So he whips the door open, he goes through, I'm three steps behind, I'm looking down, and I come up right as the door is right here on the shoulder that I just annihilated. And I slammed into that door (laughs) so hard. And I ended up going home and like being in writhing pain all night and my shoulders just burning and aching and I ended up going to the doctor the next day and I spent almost two weeks in a sling. And the truth is, if I had just stayed in the gym that whole time, none of that would have happened. I wouldn't have pushed myself too hard. I wouldn't have been trying to play catch up. I wouldn't have tried to do things that I wasn't able to do if I had just been committed and devoted and faithful. You see, when we, when we do our devotional life, when we read our Bible, and we go for a really long time, and then we stop, 
it's really hard to get started going again. That's why we always encourage you to keep reading, keep worshiping, keep praying, those things, because it can be hard to start back up. If I had just stayed in the gym and been consistent, maybe I would have broken the door instead of the door breaking me. Probably not. But devoting our lives to Christ isn't about completing a list. It's not about just checking off the check marks, like I read my Bible today, I prayed today, I worshiped today. Cool, I'm not doing that again until tomorrow. That's not the point. Doing those things is so that we become better, so we become more Christ-like. It's about growing and becoming who Jesus called us to be. And when you think about it in friendship terms, you grow your friendship with somebody by just being there, right? Like you can't grow closer to somebody if you're never around them. And so our devotional time is when we invite God into where we are. We spend time with him. And finally, we grow our friendship with Christ by worship. Now, worship is an important part of growing our friendship with Christ, and when we are learning how, it can be really awkward. Like, back when I was in middle school, I was in sixth grade, and I just graduated from kids' church into the middle school. And how it worked where I went to church growing up is we had, like, kids' church on Sunday, big church on Sunday, and middle school and high school on Sunday. And so my friends and I, we had been going to middle school for a while, and it was super cool, but we decided, we're like, hey, let's go to big church, Let's go be grown-ups, right? Let's go be adults. Because it just, like, it's not like middle school wasn't fun, but we're like, oh, I've never been to big church. Let's go see what it's about. So we go over there, and we have no idea what's going on, right? Like, we, we were just in the back row, like, messing around, shoving each other, making jokes, laughing, having fun, not really realizing what a big distraction we were. And then it comes to this point where the pastor says, okay, we're going to take communion. And I was like, what? What's communion? And so we, like, go up there, and there's this table full of bread and grape juice. And you guys remember communion? It's that thing we do with like the bread and the grapes and we talk about how Jesus died on the cross for us and what all that meant. Yeah, I'd never heard any of that before. So I go up to this table filled with bread and juice and I was like, is it just snack time? Like, what are we doing here? And the pastor's like, grab your elements. I was like, elements? I don't see fire, wind, water, or stone anywhere. And so finally, my friend was like, just grab it. And I was like, okay, I grab a piece of bread and a piece of juice, and we go back to our seats. And he's like, okay, now that you have your elements, I want you to pray in your heart and take communion with God yourself. And I was like, I, okay. Uh, standing there. So I start looking down the row. Start looking at all my friends, seeing if they know what to do. And what I stopped doing was paying attention to my juice, and I spilled it everywhere, like on the ground in front of me. So not only did I drop the blood, but I stained the carpet in the church as well. And my friends ended up making fun of me relentlessly. Like, they just were like, what an idiot. You didn't know how to do that? I was like, so I ended up, like, kind of shutting down. And for the rest of worship and the rest of the service, I just sat with my arms crossed. And I didn't really sing. I didn't really participate. I didn't engage. I just, I was embarrassed. And it actually set me up for a lot of years to where I wouldn't sing in church. I would just stand there with my arms crossed because I was embarrassed. But I was worried about what the outside world thought about me instead about what God thinks about me. You see, worship isn't about what the people around us are doing. It's about what the person inside of us is doing in response to God. You know, we're not just up here singing. We're not just up here playing music and doing cool light shows for the fun of it. We're here to worship the king of the universe. We're here to commune with him and show him how worthy he is to us. And there's a story in the Bible, and Mary takes this jar of perfume, and she pours it out on the feet of Jesus. 
And it was worth a year's worth of wages, a year's worth of money. And she didn't care. She poured it out on his feet because that's how much he was worth to her. She would have given more, I bet, but that was all she had. God cares about the posture of our heart. He cares about what's happening on the inside, not what's happening around us. Where we worship is not as important as how we worship. Now, when we are here in this house, we worship. We take it seriously because this is God's house. And it can be easy to fall into that trap. I I get it. I've done it. It can be easy to bring somebody to 4640 and then be like, I don't want to weird them out. I don't know how to, I feel awkward, so I'm just going to stand here. But But how will they ever know how to worship if we don't show them? How will they ever know how to grow in a friendship with Christ if we don't set an example for them? And so we can't worry about what's happening around us. We can't worry about those people around us who might laugh at us, who might poke fun at us, because the truth is the world is always going to think you're weird for being a Christian. They always will. They don't understand it. But that's not why we do it. We do it because Jesus died on the cross for us, and the least we can do is sing and worship and praise him in his house. Luke 19, 39 through 40 says, but some of the Pharisees or the world among the crowd said, teacher or Jesus, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. They were saying, hey, tell them to stop worshiping. Tell them to be quiet. That's weird. We don't like that. And Jesus replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Jesus said right here that if we don't worship, the rocks on the ground will. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be outdone by a rock. Unless it's Dwayne Johnson, because I can't outdo him at anything. But when we are in this house, we call 4640 this house. When we are here, we worship. We worship because the creator of the universe is worth it. The spider jump, the ledge swing, volleyball, nine square, the cafe, all of it is a low second place compared to what we do when we are singing to God. That is what 4640 is about, is worshiping the creator of the universe. Now, worship isn't just a once a week thing. Okay, let's think of it like eating. So if, if 4640 was a meal and you only ate one meal a week, would you be healthy? No, you'd probably have the appearance of being healthy, like you'd get really skinny, and people would be like, hey man, you're losing weight, you look really good. But then at some point, your body's gonna start to shut down because it doesn't have what it needs. But if you eat three square meals a day of healthy choices, of communication or prayer, and devotion, reading your Bible, being in the Word, praying, talking to God, or worship, being plugged into Him, You're going to grow. You're going to grow strong in your faith. You're going to grow and you're going to be an amazing Christian. And you might be just surprised on where God takes you. But if we only eat once a week, we're going to starve. Worship is a lifestyle, not just a once a week thing. And so this looks like getting on Spotify and downloading the 4640 worship playlist or even looking in the browse section and looking for a cool Christian band. They're out there. It's not just cheesy K-Love stuff anymore. There's really cool artists out there that are Christian. You can find a favorite worship band and like legitimately like their music and worship. But that way you can worship wherever you want. You can worship in the car. You can worship at school. You can worship in your room. You can worship while you're mowing the lawn. You can worship anywhere. It's so accessible. It's so easy to make it a part of our daily lives now. Being in friendship with Jesus means committing to growing and getting better. 
And there's this lie out in the world right now. And it says that in order for us to be friends, in order for us to have a relationship, you have to accept me exactly as I am, and you can't expect me to change a thing. And while that seems okay, while that, while that seems like a good idea, the problem is, is it keeps us from growing. The problem is, is it traps us right where we are, and it doesn't let us get better. It doesn't let us turn into who God wants us to be. And so it says to that person, I, I don't actually really care about what you have to say about me. I don't really care about our relationship. I just want to keep who I am the exact same and be comfortable. But the truth is, Jesus accepts you in spite of your sin, but he won't let you stay in it. Meaning he wants to help you grow, not change who you are. God knows who you are. He created you specifically. He created you with a purpose and a plan, and he knew exactly what was going to happen to you every minute of your life, every good decision you'd make, every bad decision you'd make, every time you'd make somebody laugh, every time you'd fail a math test. Jesus knew what was going to happen in your life, and he still looked down from that cross, and he still said, I choose you. You see, God doesn't want to change who you are. He wants you to grow. He wants you to get better. He wants you to become a friend of him, not just a follower. And so we need to be actively pursuing God, chasing God by praying to him, by communicating with him. We need to be in the word. We need to be on our version app. It's so easy to get on there with friends and family and do awesome, fun Bible plans together. And lastly, we need to be worshiping. And that is how we go from being just a follower to being a friend of God. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you so much. Jesus, I thank you for every single person in this room. God, I pray that your words would hit them right in the heart right now. And God, that they wouldn't leave this place without hearing your voice and hearing what it is you have for them. Lord, I pray that you would bless them as they walk out of this place into the, into the world. God, I pray that you would keep everybody in this room safe. And God, that you would help us to become a friend of you, not just a follower. God, that we wouldn't sit on the sidelines, but we would get involved. That we would start pursuing you and start chasing after you. God, we love you so much. We thank you for everything you've done for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening at 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.